Welcome to Hair of the Werewolf. I'm Chase, and I'm here with Lily, my co-host. Hello. And we are a supernatural horror podcast where we tell each other scary stories that are allegedly true and often have a few drinks along the way to make it a little bit more fun. I know Lily right here is having rum and cranberry <laughs> juice, something I've never heard of before. Uh, Everyone knows vodka cranberry, but this is I'm gonna, this is this is spiced rum. This is spiced rum, so it's not even no, clear it's not, rum. No, it's not spiced. It's just aged. It's like gold rum, so it's oh, uh, right, right. cruising gold. And 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 is it good? So it's. It's not bad. I actually think it's fine. I'm not saying it's like my favorite drink or anything. I call it a dirty Cosmo because it's because <laughs> it's dirty because it 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 has a strange color to it Ooh, now. You so dirty. <laughs> well, I'll have you. I'll have you know. Yeah. That the water I'm drinking out of my purple Donatello flask Themed. thing, hydro flask, whatever. Yeah. Is amazing. Well, it ain't, it ain't dirty. It's, it's refreshing. It's clean. It's good for me. <laughs> Straight from Spring Mountain. So this is the last episode of January. Already. We're already there. No, I can't One month it. down in 2022. And my old brain's still like, it's 2021, y'all. <laughs> it's still 2021. I think I'm holding on to it because we all had this understanding, you know, with the universe that by the end of 2021, everything was going to be fine again. And it's like, not. We had a deal. And it's like, wait, wait, it can't even be 2022 yet. We still haven't finished 2021. Yeah. So yeah, I'm still going to have a hard time when I sign my checks. And yes, I still write checks. I'm going to hold on to that as long <laughs> as I can. Yeah. You're like the oldest millennial I know. But on, in terms of current stuff, we have been talking, and we're trying, hopefully very soon, to see the brand new Scream movie that just came out. I know. We we definitely wanted to see it a lot earlier, but it hasn't been able to uh, manifest, but hopefully Seeing we can get that. movies is difficult it in is. general, because yeah. we try to avoid people. We want to keep as far away from people, so find show times that, you know, like early morning weekdays, so all the teenagers are at school, or at mm-hmm. least, you know, the responsible ones are. And we can be left alone in our tiny corner of the movie theater wearing our masks, fearing God. <laughs> but uh, We'll be on the side. Yeah, because apparently this new Scream is the big to-do. It's like the sock hop. Yeah. It's, it's everyone has to do it. Be uh, there or be square is what I hear. And we've heard from two different friends, both of whom are horror connoisseurs, that this movie <laughs> is surprisingly good. So I'm pretty excited. So yeah. if we can find time, we'll do it. It doesn't take a lot to please me, so this might be like the best movie I've ever seen or something. Well, and it's well, we probably will feel that way because it's been forever since we've seen anything horror. I think the last horror thing we watched was Christmas Horror Story, and that was over a month ago. I know we've been, yeah, we've been on a different level right now. Like we're just we've been out of it. We've been there's but, a million reasons, but yeah. the one the only thing we've been watching consistently recently is the All Creatures Great and Small on PBS. Which is about the most polar opposite of horror as you can get. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's my quaint little show. Very wholesome. It reminds me of when we lived in York and all I want to do is drink tea at the beginning of the episode and then drink beer at the, at the end, end of the episode. Oh, yeah. Um, which... I'd say um, for me, the new season of SVU has come out. So naturally that meant I have to start the entire show from the beginning. So I'm going to be watching, like, I think all 23 seasons I've been binge watching. So in a way, I have been seeing horrible things. And it is pretty scary. Just more true crime than anything. And because she knows there's certain things I just don't want to watch in in TV. If she's listening to it, I can tell when she plugs in her headphones. It's because it's an episode that's (laughs) dealing with, like, 
particularly morose stuff I'm just I yeah. just don't want to hear. It's like there's too many dead children in this episode for you, I think. So <laughs> the way you are with TV shows is the way I am with movies. I uh, not movies, uh video games because if like a brand new video game in a series is coming out, I'm like, "Oh, I'm totally going to sit down and play through all of them again." <laughs> the only difference is you can actually somehow watch like 24 hours of SVU. You you manage to do it in like 5 hours. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> I bend time. Whereas me, even just three video games, that's like 40 hours of, of time just yeah, to beat them. Yeah, and it so, takes you forever. Yeah, I don't know. I guess we both have fun, though. Yeah, maybe. But anyway, so, uh, it looks like you've got a beefy story for I have me. many papers in front of me. Your research went on for ages. It did. I did it for like two days straight, and I was working basically nonstop, honestly. This is a big one. And because it's a big one, it will be the only story that we'll be telling today. But don't worry, it's got a lot of amazing, fun, scary facts. So it'll keep you entertained. Don't worry about that. And my story is put on the back burner until next week. (laughs) I think like some point uh, I was doing the research and it was like day two when I was doing it. I look over at Chase and I'm like, yeah, I know you're doing research right now, but... I don't know if we're going to get to your story. So we'll just save that. Um, I didn't realize I stumbled on such a big story. Anyway. So perfect. You got to lay it on me. It sounds like it was worth all the time. So Yes. Uh, So my story is the Waverly Hill Sanatorium. Wait a minute. Waverly Hill. Isn't that like a Disney show about like kids? The Waverly Hills? Yeah. Aren't they like the wizards of Waverly Hills? (laughs) I don't know. I do know there is like a wizard waiver, I think, something like that. I, was I never little... saw it. It was, you know, even when it was my time, I didn't watch the Disney Channel. I didn't have You didn't have cable, cable. so it didn't matter, yeah. And um, the most Disney I've seen recently is my niece every now and then uh, when, she, when she spends the night, she she's watching like some Disney shows in the morning and I watch it and I'm like, yeah, I totally missed this whole thing growing up. Yeah. I mean, the shows are fairly different than when they were before. Um. And I'm not just saying that. They actually have, like, you know, people who, who not, I don't want to say study TV, but they kind of go through the stages of what Disney was doing throughout the time. Mm. And the the shows that I was watching with my sister, like Lizzie McGuire and uh, even Stevens, is somewhat different in context. Uh, it's more traditional sitcom than what they're doing now with Disney Channel shows. Anyway, totally off the subject. And no, I'm not talking about the Disney Channel show. <laughs> Are you sure? So I'm eager to hear about the Disney Channel Horror Sanitarium. Yeah, so go let's, for it. let's pretend there's wizards in this, in this <laughs> for sure. So this place is considered as one of the most haunted places in the world. Which I think you, <laughs> I think we need to make a rule that we're not allowed to say that anymore. Or I need because to start making it, a list and there are just hundreds of them now. Yeah, because you could write a story about like a shack in Mexico and you're like, it's supposed to be the most haunted <laughs> shack in the world. Fine. This is one of the most haunted sanatoriums in the world. How about mm, that? All right. So this creepy building can be found in Louisville, Kentucky. And I'll start off with some history because one, it's amazing. And two, it kind of allows us to find out whose fault it was that this place is so haunted. So a long time ago, in 1883, the property was owned by Thomas H. Hayes. The property itself was very isolated from larger towns, and obviously that meant schools and other other like things that they would require. So when the daughter was old enough to attend school, he decided to build a school for her. This was actually a really good thing for the area because there were other children living there, sort of, just like in the, you know, distance, but they were in the surrounding region, so they were able to attend school as well. 
Hayes hired a teacher whose name was Lizzie Lee Harris. She was the only teacher at the school. And so I'm, she... I'm sorry, I'm still thinking about the Disney stuff. So you said Lizzie, I'm like, Lizzie McGuire <laughs> was the teacher. I just didn't even think of that. <laughs> oh, you sorry. I'm actually, this is a made up story. I'm just infusing a lot of Disney characters <laughs> in this. Just... And then came Beans with a plot. Beans. <laughs> All right. There's no bacon here, so don't worry. Um, so, yes, her name, Lizzie Lee Harris, and she, she was the only teacher, and she basically had full control. She decided to name the school Waverly after the Waverly novels written by Walter Scott. Thomas Hayes thought that the name had a serene sound to it and decided to name the property Waverly Hills. So, I just thought that was a really cute, wholesome fact because Mr. Hayes just seemed like a really cool guy. He's like, I have, like, all this money. Let's just build a damn school let's just have this lady call it whatever little did he know apparently it was going to become one of the most haunted places ever (laughs) such quaint beginnings and then it turns into quaint. he was like just chilling and vibing he's like yeah waverly let's do this (laughs) but as you mentioned this is definitely the last of wholesomeness we'll hear for a long time now the sanatorium it was sometime in the early 1900s that Kentucky and anywhere else with swampy and hot environments was hit hard with the cases of tuberculosis, aka consumption, aka the white plague, aka the plague of all plagues, as someone said. So I don't know about you, but whenever I kept typing tuberculosis, I just kept saying tubular in my head. (laughs) Does anybody else do that? Like, I just... (laughs) Tubular closest. Reaganomics. It just, it, I don't know why. That's all I kept thinking the entire time I was writing this, but okay, never mind. No, I actually, because I can't spell it well, I always wrote consumption whenever I was discussing it. I you can like, just say TB as well, you know. Man, see, now you make me feel stupid that I was writing <laughs> something so long like that. Yeah. I could have given these fingers some rest. Yeah, those uh, fine fingers of yours. <laughs> <laughs> My bagels? <laughs> Oh my god, where are we? Snap okay. your bagels. Snap your bangles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even drunk yet. Okay, so let's see. Let me talk about a little bit about the disease. TB is a bacterial infection. You contract it when you breathe in air containing mycobacterium tuberculosis. It most commonly attacks the lungs, but it can attack any part of the body, mm. including the brain, spine... And kidneys and whatnot. And another common vector is drinking milk because cows, uh, cows are great harbingers yeah. of tuberculosis. That's one of the things that we get rid of with pasteurization. So unpasteurized milk is a big no-no because you can get TB from it. Yeah, no milk, no unpasteurized milk. I mean, anyway, so about fifteen to twenty percent of people who have it spread to other parts of their bodies is usually due to, uh, due to weaker immune systems that's caused by another medical condition like HIV. Mm-hmm. So it's not as common, but it definitely does happen. Okay. Now, the Waverly property was brought out and converted into a hospital. There were facilities located in the city, but the cases were increasing rapidly, and they ultimately decided to transport the patients to a more isolated location. Plus, at the time, they believed that fresh air was a form of treatment mm-hmm, for TB. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they, this was the obvious choice, and as a bonus, it kept people away from other people. So it was basically a quarantine thing. At the very least, you'd think that whether or not fresh air actually helped you with tuberculosis, it probably limited how often you were infecting other people. Yeah, exactly. It really... So it still was a net benefit. I can see why they would think it was helping, Mm -hmm. 
but also it wasn't because of what they thought. And what's the, what's the time frame again? Remind me. Oh, so this is now the early 1900s. So we're okay. now we're moving into 1910. So, so we're still around the time where uh, I guess this was the late 1800s. You know, Doc Holliday of the Tombstone fame. Oh yes, uh, he had tuberculosis and he went out west because at the time they also believed dry climates was good for tuberculosis so people were moving out oh, west oh yeah well it's that kind of makes sense oh, it, no 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 i mean so as far as a form of treatment no but the west was a lot less um contagious or as far as like harboring this kind of bacteria and growing it because it wasn't as wet oh yeah. so i guess like in a weird way it was better to move there but not because not if you already had it is what i'm saying they may have assumed since there were less people with it right out here that they were like, like oh, oh it's, it's so exactly wrong conclusion, but good good evidence. Yeah. I guess <laughs> good good watching. All right. So yeah. Sorry for the detour. I just <laughs> whenever I hear tuberculosis, my first thought is just seeing a very sickly looking Val Kilmer, <laughs> and you know what? For some reason, I really like it. A very sweaty. Ooh, you like the sweaty Val Kilmer? <laughs> no, I don't mean I like it. Like ooh la la. I mean I'm a huge Val Kilmer fan, and that's his best role. So Listen, I like I it like that. I used to have a huge crush on Val Kilmer, but. I don't know. We a pair. No, (laughs) No, but I don't. I wouldn't say that. Like in Tombstone, he looked particularly attractive. No, because he looked. It wasn't the right kind of sweaty. So yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, he looked kind of almost purple because he was so pale. (laughs) He was so pale. (laughs) It's so sad. Oh, I don't know why I'm laughing. Um. Okay. So. Finally, on July 26, 1910, the facility on Waverly Hills was open for business. Originally, the hospital was only two stories high and contained an administrative building and two open-air facilities. Each open-air facility could hold up to 20 people at a time, and it was mainly reserved for those that were in the early stages of the disease. Mm, okay. Yeah. Now, surprisingly, the space was not sufficient for the volume of the infected. So by 1912, patients that were overflowing from the city hospital were being transported to Waverly Hills. But at the time, they didn't have the space, so they temporarily placed them in tents outside. Tragically, many of the sanatorium patients were children, and by 1914, there were about 130 patients at any given time. This was a constant rotating number because there were so many people dying quickly. However, this was still not enough, so the construction continued for expansion, and by October 17, 1926, the new building was completed. The building was about 108,000 square feet and was able to house about 500 patients. By this point, the facility was completely self-sufficient. They had a farm to grow food and raise animals. They also had their own water facility and even their own post office. The downside is that if you were a staff member, you were closed off from the rest of the world as well. Mm. It was a functioning little town. Entire families lived there. If parents became ill, then the children would go along with them to live on this uh, land. Even if they weren't That's sick. That's really interesting. I, I, if I remember correctly, there's something kind of like that these days with, um, I want to say it was a leprosy colony. Leprosy colony, where, yeah. Yeah, where people kind of just go there, and sometimes people who don't have leprosy, but they want to be with family, go and live there, but it's kind of like a yeah. self-contained town. It's interesting. Right. Yeah, It's done. Bef- it's been done before. Uh, some of the treatments that they used for the sick was patients would be exposed to ultraviolet light 24-7. The idea was that it would allow the lungs to be exposed to the UV light as well and kill the bacteria. Nope, just cancer. Just kill cancer. cancer, basically. Uh, the doctor who created this method, Neil Finson, got a Nobel Prize for it. Um, it did not work. 
So there was. <laughs> but they were overflowing with vitamin D. But they were like, man, this guy has a lot of vitamin D and he's looking pretty brown. <laughs> they just thought everyone looked better because they had nice, healthy, healthy color to like, their wow, skin. Look like, at your skin. It's... You're not so pale. Yeah. Like most people dying from TB, you look all bronzed. Yeah, bronzed. <laughs> Uh, there was also the fresh air exposure treatment that I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. On the surface, this seemed like a lovely idea because you're like, yeah, I'll I'll get some fresh air in the countryside. But no, it was actually a lot more torturous because the patients would be left outside every day, no matter the weather. The treatment required constant fresh air or else it wouldn't work. Spoiler, it didn't work anyway. <laughs> they were at least like, you remember that one time you went into the bathroom for three minutes? That's why you're that's, dying. That's why you died. You didn't do what I said to do, obviously convenient doctor excuses (laughs) you can actually look up uh, pictures online and you can see people lying in beds and there's like rain and they're just what the fuck miserable (laughs) it sucks (laughs) like uh i'm sure this is worth it anyway they were using electroshock therapy as well this one was kind of strange to me because i guess it was their go-to treatment for everything yeah, at the time. Yeah, I was going to be like, so... I'm pretty sure they used the first thing. They're like, oh, you got a wart on your foot? Let's yeah. shock his brain. <laughs> you're like, could you imagine at the time, you're like, damn, is that gangrene? That's all right. I just, I'd rather not get shocked. I got the vapors. I got Electrocute the... her. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so true, though. Oh, but I guess I can kind of see, because I think I... As I was reading on, it was mostly for those that were having symptoms of tuberculosis in the brain. So maybe they only used it for those patients. Totally. They also used what was called collapse therapy, which is when they would intentionally collapse the lung and then try to expand it again. The intent was to restart the lung. <laughs> so it was basically the, have you tried turning it on and off again? Wow. Method. <laughs> wow. Uh, so weird. They would also inject things like methanol, olive oil, and dyes directly into the windpipe. I have no idea why they did this. I don't I don't think I read anywhere that it was like, oh, they thought it would help. I don't know. I don't even know what the reason. You said methanol and ethanol? Uh, oh, no, no. Sorry. Did I say that? I meant menthol. Menthol. Yeah. When it stops people from coughing a lot, menthol can help that. Yeah, but they like would inject it into the windpipe. That's so, really gross. Yeah, it was kind of weird. Anyway, these were just some of my favorite treatments that I read about. And when I say favorite, I mean <laughs> I cannot get them out of my head. It's estimated that around 60,000 people died while they were at the hospital. And if you go online, that's usually the number you will see. However, it seems that the death toll was closer to 8,000. Damn. Yeah. So this was this was by some historians that were actually looking through the records. They're like, I don't know where 60,000 came from. Maybe it's that sensationalization of kind of trying to make it more haunted. You know, there were like six, 60,000 deaths, but the historians are like, no, you know, any given year, it was less than 150 deaths a year. So they had no idea where they got that number. But anyway, even so, that would estimate about two or one death every two to three days, which in my opinion is still quite a bit. Now, because there was such a high volume of deaths, there had to be a way to transport the bodies effectively and discreetly as possible. So they used the underground tunnel to transport the dead bodies. Okay, this is not even the first time we've talked about an underground (laughs) tunnel. I swear, unless I saw it in a show, there was a time we talked about another underground tunnel that was for moving dead bodies. And I'm like, you know what? Okay, so we did see a show. It was... Oh, it was a show. Yeah, it was BuzzFeed Unsolved and the guys, Shane and Ryan... 
they went to the Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Oh, so this is it. This is it. And it's the one where there's a huge ramp, right? Yeah. Oh, so okay. it's very steep. All right. So I do know a little bit about this, and it's horrifying. So great. Hey, everyone, get ready. This is a wild ride. <laughs> oh, yeah. And here we go. Here we go. So, yes, let's get ready for this tunnel, which, by the way, they often nicknamed it the body chute or the death tunnel. So for obvious reasons. Now, the tunnel itself, like Chase mentioned, it is actually terrifying looking. And since the hospital was located on on the hill, that's why it has such a steep incline. The tunnel is about 500 feet long, so it is quite a bit of a journey each time. If you face down the tunnel, on one side it's stairs, and then the other side is a ramp, which obviously made it easy to roll the bodies out. I think they also used it for other transports. Out? I think they rolled them down. Down. Down and out. This thing was a body slide. Do you, <laughs> good lord. Um, Do you think they just really let them loose and they're like, bye? Uh, you know at least one nurse is like... It's like, I'm over it. Exactly. And yeah. I cannot convey to you how terrifying this tunnel looks. It was awful. when I saw it on the awful. show, I was like, yeah. I would... No, it was awful. Yeah. Uh, if you're uh, claustrophobic, I probably would advise against going there, but, you know, you do whatever you want. I would actually go down there, but I would have to bring someone with me. And preferably someone that won't scream or run faster than me. So not me. So not you. <laughs> Wait, I could run faster than you. Yeah, but I scream. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I, fi- I figured if, if you missed one of them, I was out. I didn't mean like my athletic body could outrun you because it's yeah. not happening. I mean, you can probably run longer than me, <laughs> I, but I think you can run faster. I think I would just scream like SpongeBob and not move. <laughs> just kidding. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. I won't torture you guys with that. Um, anyway. Fortunately, by 1943, an antibiotic called streptomycin was developed that helped fight against TB. Over time, Waverly Hill Sanatorium was admitting less and less patients until finally it closed in 1961. So that is the end of one of the more horror parts of the history. It then became a hospital for the elderly for the following year in 1962, but that was closed down 20 years later in 1982 because... The hospital was understaffed, overcrowded, and the patients were being neglected and abused. So, mm. I mean, even it wasn't a long, long time it was open. 20 years still quite a bit, though. 20 years is massive. That's more than half of our life. And especially if you're elderly, the 20 years might have been your all the years left. You know yeah. what I mean? So that's that's sad. Yeah, I guess just definitely adding... would have been the worst episode of the Golden Girls I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> Good Lord. The Golden Girls at Waverly Hills. Oh, no. Yeah, that would have been a really good twist. <laughs> it's just, it was all in, well, what's her name? The the saucy one? I, you know, I, I remember seeing it a few times when I was a why kid. Don't I, why don't I say Berta? But <laughs> it sounds weird. Maybe it's, I don't know. I or never wasn't watched. It like Madge and. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I was just thinking like it was all in her head and she was actually just at the sanatorium. She was high as a kite. Yeah, just <laughs> strapped to a bed. Uh, anyway, the a year after, in 1983, the building was purchased for over $3 million with the intent of converting it into a minimum security prison, but the town objected and the project was dropped. 
The building remained abandoned. For I mean, did they object because they didn't want a prison near them? Or that's why they didn't oh, want okay. a prison. Yeah, I don't blame them. If someone's like, "Hey, I'd like to buy this old building turned to a prison," I'm like, "Can you not?" Yeah, <laughs> like I live right across the street. Please don't put it elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So even because it was dropped, they didn't know what to do with it, and so it was abandoned for a couple of years. And at that time, there were a lot of homeless people kind of walking in and out. There was vandalism. People were graffitiing and. Because of its dark history, people, of course, would perform satanic rituals or other devil-worshipping type uh, ceremonies that a lot of people believe contribute to the high and aggressive activity we see today. Mm. Yes. I mean, let's be fair. I'd rather the Satan worshippers do that stuff in old abandoned buildings as opposed to, like, in the basement of an apartment complex. Yeah, so. like, not not in my neighborhood but sure go out in the i mean to be fair prefer they never did it but i mean if they're gonna do it <laughs> yeah. like at least they're picking the I right mean, place don't but if you're going to <laughs> yeah, yeah this is where you do it yeah just get the hell away from me in 1960 oh sorry in 1996 robert albert Haskey bought the building because he wanted to build a giant statue of jesus and place it on top of the building okay he- <laughs> so it sounds really random and it and it is. He was inspired by the Christ the Redeemer in Rio de Janeiro. Oh, but, bucket list. Gotta see that thing. Yeah, exactly. But he wanted the statue to be even taller. <laughs> okay. the, <laughs> the one in Brazil is 125 feet. That's 38 meters. Tall if you include the pedestal. The one Albert Haskey wanted to build would have been 150 feet, which is 46 meters. To accomplish this project, he needed to raise at least $4 million dollars. But he was also planning on using that money to build a church and a rec center. However, in one year, he was only able to raise three thousand dollars. <laughs> I don't think a lot of people had his vision. Is what I'm hearing. <laughs> I, I'm okay with people not having that vision. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was kind of. It was. I don't know. For me, because that was it's, so it's weird. It's like, oh, so you decided to build Jesus here? What? What's the significance? What's what's sacred about this place? Nothing. It was giant a TV Jesus. ward, and there were <laughs> satanic rituals here. So we have to put a giant Jesus to counteract. What do you think? Um, <laughs> so after Albert Haskey's dream of giant Jesus has died, he, <laughs> he sold the building to Tina and Charlie Mattingly in 2001. The couple wanted to embrace the building for what it was, and since 2001, they had been giving ghost tours, historical tours, and host a haunted house attraction every Halloween. Oh, that's awesome. It is awesome. I really want to go there one day. Uh, Because of these tours, it allowed me and other people who are super obsessed with the paranormal to get a lot of material. So now we have a lot of people going there all the time for the specific purpose of communicating with the dead. Nice. Yeah. So here are some of the hauntings. Oh, and in case anyone was wondering, yes, every single paranormal ghost hunting show that you can think of has been to Waverly Hill Sanatorium. I would have watched every single episode if I could. Oh, man, if this was a drinking game episode, that yeah. would mean we'd have to take we'd, like eight shots. Yeah, <laughs> for each show. Yeah. We'd be dead. I don't think there's <laughs> enough liquor. In and this. then there would be ghost tours at our grave. <laughs> They're like, this ghost keeps trying to take me, get me to take shots. I don't get it. Can ghosts uh, get drunk? What? <laughs> so, um, yeah, so the you can go see those shows, and if you happen to have one of the streaming services, go for it. Um, anyway, so that means I had to rely solely on articles, personal accounts, and any YouTube channel that was willing to share that information, which, as I said earlier, uh, that means the BuzzFeed Unsolved with Ryan and Shane, and obviously, they did a really fun and 
cool little little thing. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Now, here I'm going to talk about the haunted hotspots, and then I'll talk about like just other common things that are that occur there. Totally. So, on the third floor, a homeless man and his dog, who were living in the building, accidentally fell into the elevator shaft and died. Since then, people have seen a tall man and his dog inside the building. The current owner, Tina Mattingly, gave her experience with the ghost. She said that during the tour, she was walking down the third floor hallway, and she noticed a tall, thin man with long white hair standing in the middle of the hallway. She immediately clicked on her flashlight. Why I've, wasn't it on? Oh my god, thank you! I was about to say, I have no idea why it wasn't on already. This isn't a video game, it doesn't run out of power <laughs> in ten seconds. Right, like, you can have multiple flashlights if you like. I already think her story is dumb. <laughs> Yeah, that was like mistake number one, I think. That's a rookie mistake. Uh, so she, she could have tripped on something. <laughs> and yeah, so she when she turned it on, the man disappeared. Which okay, she was like, maybe he ducked into one of the hallways or bedrooms mm. or, or rooms. And so she goes and investigates. And as she turns the corner, she saw a dog lying on the floor looking up at her. The owner tried to call it over so it wouldn't get lost in the building. But then it just disappeared before her eyes. So she, that's how she made the connection of who it was she saw initially. It was a homeless guy. Well, if anything good came out of the story, maybe she learned a valuable lesson to keep your flashlight keep on. Keep your flashlight on, lady. Also, it's all, it was rumored. I didn't write this down, but some people believe, or the way the story goes, it was very suspicious the way the guy died. And they think that maybe he was pushed off. So we don't mm. know, really. Yeah. There is also a little boy named Timmy seen hanging around there. He's often seen playing with a blue bouncing ball. So, because of this, it's common for investigators to bring... This. Do you remember it? Okay. I rem- okay, keep going. This okay. is awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, investigators often come and do bring ball, like a ball or a bouncy ball of some sort, to kind of entice the child to come out and play. The scene with Ryan and Shane was amazing. And I don't know what you remember, but there was a point where, obviously, Ryan did bring a bouncy ball. And he throws it into the hallway and it bounces into the darkness. So you can hear it in the audio that the ball is bouncing, and then finally it settles down. But then you kind of hear it bounce again, like two more times. So it'll like pause and bounce. So this is very strange. So it strange. either just started rolling and then fell down like a, a slight drop to bounce, or you got a little ghost kid playing with it. You got a little it. ghost kid. Yeah, so that that was my actual like thought too. It was like maybe it found like a two steps and then it kind of bounced down or whatever. However, as they were waiting for it to return, you know, just to see if they, the kid would bounce it back mm-hmm. and realized it wasn't going to happen. So they went over to retrieve it. And on their way there, they noticed that it kind of wandered into a hallway that was to their left. And when they flashed their lights on the wall, they saw a name, the name Ryan graffitied on the wall. So... <laughs> That, that's kind of a weird coincidence, right? Because, like, his name is Ryan. It's not, I mean, it's not that it's a super uncommon name, but usually when people do graffiti, they don't say, like, Ryan. They put, like, L Cool 16 was here, or gang signs and well, stuff. Well, you know, a lot of people might want to put their name if they're just <laughs> well, dumb. Well, people are just like, Ryan. Ryan. <laughs> My name leave. is Ryan. Uh, Ryan was here. Yeah. But then Ryan was here, they're just like, Ryan. Well, Ryan's name was graffitied on the wall, and I thought that was pretty cool. So... Once Ryan was done freaking out, he decided to throw it again and, you know, the same exact spot they were standing before and throw the ball. And this time it stopped bouncing. They went immediately to retrieve it. 
and they found it perfectly centered in the middle of the hallway, which is another weird thing to kind of happen. Not True. like impossible, obviously. Yeah, but chances are if you threw a bouncy ball down a hallway a hundred times, it might not end up in the center even once. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just saying like what happened and the behavior of the ball. Perfect creepiness. Very perfect creepy. I love how of these two guys, so by the way, if if you guys aren't aware, what we're talking about, a show called uh, Unsolved Unsolved Supernatural, Yeah. which I hate saying BuzzFeed for it because I hate BuzzFeed as a website, but this... This web video series is really good, and it's hosted by two guys, uh, Ryan and Shane. Ryan is a believer, and he's a scaredy cat, and he's also very lovable. He's a great guy. Yeah. <laughs> or he, as far as I can tell by watching videos, but he's the scaredy cat, and Shane, like, doesn't believe in anything. Like, he's legit. Every time he goes to these things, he's like, all I feel like I'm doing is sitting in a dark room. Like, he, he zero belief in this man, and that's pretty impressive, because sometimes people say they're non-believers, but you know they're scared. He's, He's a true non-believer. And so I think it's funny that the name that was written was Ryan of the Scaredy Cat. Because I'm pretty <laughs> sure if it was Shane, he would have just walked in there. He's like, damn, another Shane. And he would have written in spray paint below Shane, He too. probably would have <laughs> been like, another Shane was here or something. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was a pretty cool little little thing that they did. Uh, so in that same floor on the third floor, there's also a little girl seen playing around in the hallways. Except this child has been described as having no eyes. And when she realizes that you're staring at her, she will run towards you and go through you. Oh. That's nice. Nice welcome. Yeah, she's uh, respecting (laughs) those personal bubbles pretty well. Yeah, you know. So let's move on to the fourth floor. There's a man dressed as a doctor seen walking around in the hallway and then enter into one of the treatment rooms. People believe that this ghost was a doctor named Joseph, who, while working at the sanatorium, he contracted TB. He then went under a surgery so that they could inflate his lungs, which was another procedure they did. But he died during the operation or whatever it was that they were doing. And uh, one paranormal investigator said that he saw the a man in a white coat, so assuming it's the same person, sure. for a few seconds and right before he entered the room. When he went in to go follow him, he then heard a loud growl. The investigator then started to run away, and as he was making his way down the hall, he saw something fly across the room, like like fly really close to his head in front of him. Like someone was trying to throw something okay, at him, basically. Okay. And when he approached it, he saw that it was a brick. <laughs> I was like, damn, that's messed up. So he, he looked behind him, and he didn't see anyone there. And he didn't hear anything else. So, you know, if someone threw something, you would think you would hear footsteps or oh, running anything. or something, you know? I mean, because if you look at the way that the sanitarium is in disrepair, like there is... There's dust. There's just crap There's everywhere. gravel. There's brokenness yeah. of everywhere. I mean, even the greatest ninjas in the world couldn't get out unless they were turtles. Exactly. Just so you know. Oh, maybe it was a ninja turtle. Maybe it was Raphael. He was he was a jerk. They wouldn't throw bricks, though. No. They live by a coat. And if he did, he wouldn't have missed. Yeah, don't talk, don't talk trash. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, yeah, that that happened to him. So, on the same floor, there's this room called the nurse's waiting room. And the current owner and her friend were taking pictures. And at one point, the friend saw a full-bodied apparition standing in the room. Mm -hmm. She managed to take a picture of it. This was on the Unsolved show because the guys were talking to her. And the owner showed the guys the picture. The problem was... That the picture on her phone was a picture of the picture. So she took a... So... 
<laughs> so it came out kind of blurry and like even Shane was like um and Ryan's like oh my god you know like obviously he ate it up <laughs> but Shane was like and, and then and then Ryan's like what do you think of this and then <laughs> it was pretty funny because Shane's like well and then it cuts <laughs> I just wanted to know what he said <laughs> well so here's my thoughts I think if you don't have a good picture to show don't, don't show, show it. it yeah but at the same time now that I say that one day I'm gonna be somewhere that's like haunted I'm gonna see a ghost and I'm going to take a picture, and because I'm so terrified, I'm going to take the worst <laughs> damn picture ever, and then I'm going to be like, oh no, I'm one of them. You're one of them. Yeah. I know. It, it happens, Anne. You never know. So in room 418, there were two patients staying there, Jane and Elizabeth, who were also best friends. As their condition worsened, though, they both made a pact that whichever one died first, they would make contact. So... The remaining friend would also do what they can to summon their friend. So they kind of were like, if you die, like, come visit me, kind of thing. So whatever they did worked. Oh, God. <laughs> because I guess, like, there's a lot of activity there. And people have claimed to have seen a woman chained to the bed, screaming and bleeding from the mouth. In a weird way, this kind of, I don't know what it was they were doing, might have condemned them into the room. Or maybe they're just having fun scaring people. I don't know. Okay, there, there's there's theories here. Okay, when I was a kid, if like there were other kid ghosts around, we'd be at like a Ouija board, and you know, I'd ask like, guess what? And the ghost would reply, "Chicken, chicken butt." butt. <laughs> What's up with this? Like, oh, we're gonna terrify people with like blood well, spewing. Ugh. I never said they were children. Oh, well, I thought they were two little girls. No, they were just they were best friends. So when I read it, I never, it never said they were kids. Wow, that shows how uh, I guess like when you, I am in life. When you tell me about two girls who are best friends, my immediacy is that they're kids. Even though obviously adult women can be best friends, I just, oh, I didn't say I didn't I didn't even say girl. I just said Jane and Elizabeth. So I think you're right. Like I think when using the term best friend, you kind of think little girls, kids. You know, like they're like, oh, it's my best friend. But when you're older, you're like, I have friends, and some are like older, and some are newer, and I have different bonds with everyone yeah i don't know so <laughs> you're just you're more like a robot i don't know <laughs> this is my best friend it's called netflix <laughs> it's called rum and cranberry juice <laughs> <laughs> so on the fifth floor patients were taken there uh this is where patients were taken there when they had the tuberculosis spread to the brain mm -hmm. in case anyone is curious like i was when TB reaches the brain, it can cause headaches, irrit irritability, confusion, stiffness, fever. Um, and when it gets really bad, it could lead into a coma. So anyway, I don't know why, but I read all about it. And so you have to know, too. Okay. <laughs> In room 502, two people have committed suicide there. In 1928, a nurse by the name of Mary Hillenberg hanged herself just inside room 502. Or at least that's what the hospital wants you to think. Because it's believed that Mary had an affair with one of the doctors and ended up getting pregnant. Mm. Yeah. The doctor insisted that she get an abortion, of course, because he didn't want anyone to know. And eventually the nurse agreed. But during the procedure, there were some complications and Mary ended up dying. Still trying to cover up the affair and now possibly murder the doctor staged Mary's death as a suicide by hanging her body in front of the room. So that's pretty messed up. So, I mean, she died from complications from a surgery that should not be lethal. 
So, so I think like he's just a really crappy doctor. I mean, and crappy this, person. This too. wasn't his like area of expertise. Probably, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so, get this guy an anatomy book. Holy yeah. crap! And then throw it at his head. <laughs> uh, in 1932, a nurse jumped from a nearby patio that was just above room 502. But it was also speculated that she was pushed off. So now we have another possible murder on our hands. The owner of the building said that she had people stay on the fifth floor in their tents for security purposes. I don't know what that means. That's how she said it. In their tents. Like in a tent. So, mm. yeah. And I all night. I wonder if they had like little enclosures around their beds or something. So it was just a tent. So no, because like if you, if you look at the pictures of the facility and even now, because obviously the last... Thing, it, what it was built for was for tuberculosis. Uh, it's very open because the idea was it yeah, needed. The fresh air. Yeah, so it has like giant gaping like window. What would have maybe put a window, but maybe there was never a window kind of thing. And so the whole point is that it was always basically exposed. So my my point is being is they would be in a tent and they likely would never have been in like a closed off area, especially in room five hundred two. Yeah, gotcha. or on the fifth floor. But anyway, so when she said that they would stay there, um, apparently the security people would hear children giggling and things would be thrown at their tents all night long. So they would be woken up constantly by these things. That's just, that's a no for me. It's unsettling as heck because you're in a home middle hospital. What are kids doing there? Right. There's no, there's no, in the middle of the night. No, no way. Apparently, one of the nurses that was working on the floor was stabbed multiple times by a patient. So I thought I'd throw that in there because, you know, like any other town, I guess there really was just murder and and everything else that you could possibly, like, think of. So these things actually did happen on the property as well. Now, here are just some other common hauntings that kind of occur all over the place. You know what I mean? So people, of course, hear doors slamming on their own, loud banging sounds. And some people said that when they're standing outside, they can see lights turn on and off in different rooms, even though there wouldn't be any functioning fixtures. People would hear children's laughter, loud and painful screaming, which I don't know which one's scarier. Which one do you think you would be scared more? What, loud screaming or painful screaming? No, no, no. Like screaming or children giggling. like in At a, night? At night. Like when you're not, no one should be around. You know, even though it is creepy that children be giggling, I think I'm more terrified of screaming and pain because screaming and pain means something is actually hurting. Kids, I could always say, well, maybe it's just a bunch of brats doing a prank. And even even if it was children giggling, I guess it can be like, well, they're they're not threatening. Where a scream, it sounds like, should pa- I should I run? Painful scream is hard to fake. Yeah, everyone can scream, but a painful scream where it sounds like something tortured—that's a really hard thing to. That's fake. a committed scream. Yeah. So that one. I agree. I think I agree. Sometimes people see faces peering through a window that leads into another room. Mm. And of course, when they go investigate, no one's in there. For me, this one really gets me because I think I I actually have a deep fear of seeing a ghost that's staring back at me because... It witnesses you. Right. Because like I, you know, I'm not saying like I wouldn't be afraid of a ghost minding its own business. Like if I saw one walking around and didn't notice me. (laughs) In uh, its natural habitat. In its natural habitat. I think I'd be like, okay, well, that's fucking scary. But I don't know, like staring back at, because if they disappear, they still know where I am and I have no idea where they are. 
I don't know. It scares the shit out of me. Well, and I think we're used to seeing ghosts that are kind of just like doing their own thing. Sometimes they might be reliving life experiences or doing that. When it's just sitting there staring at you, it's kind of like it is very aware of me and it's acknowledging me. Yeah. Which is kind of out of the norm for what we see. Usually when ghost hunters go, they're not expecting a ghost to just like stare at them. Right. And that's, ugh, no. And staring in general is creepy. <laughs> yeah. I hate it when you, normal people yeah, do it. You like, don't have to be dead for <laughs> staring to be unsettling. Uh, that's actually very true. I guess everyone would be scared. So ghosts have also appeared in photos, like we said, but it's very, like, it just, it's aggressive about it, I guess. And you can actually look them up online. Sometimes they're a human figure. But sometimes they kind of look like white mass or black mass, and um, of course your your orbs. Oh, <laughs> I even think in the episode that you that you watched during your research, there was there had to have been at least one orb. Uh, you mean oh oh yeah yeah yeah. I mean I there were orbs popping up here left left and right for sure. So I mean every time I just see something really dusty, my first thought is, Oh, look at all these orbs that someone is gonna <laughs> think is a ghost if we filmed this. Yeah. Wait, or like dust in a place that's open to the outside? No. <laughs> what are the odds? What? Okay, so um another common occurrence is seeing shadow people all over the building. Mm. There was a video that I saw where a camera was set up facing a hallway and at some point you see a black figure just kind of pass pass by it mm-hmm. it's not like a distance it's, shot it's, so it's like right in front of the camera it's just a shadow cast that moves across no it's like a black mass it's pretty creepy people have claimed to have seen a hearse approach the back of the building and drop off coffins even after the hearse left they could still see the coffins laying there and after a few seconds That's so fucked up. yeah it starts to fade away so it's just like this whole like residual haunting thing that like a, re- a repetition yeah, that sucks. Uh, so from what I understand, the reason why it would drop it off there, I guess it's where the shoot, the body shoot is. So, oh, okay. So yeah. uh, they, they would like, yeah, I guess. The slide, the body slide. The body slide. <laughs> Good God. Uh, um, so people have said they could smell fresh baked bread when they were inside the kitchen. They, that's a nice That's a nice thing. one. I'm like, finally, something nice. Yeah. yeah, if I ever had to have one haunting, yeah, smelling baked bread is not not far off from one I'd probably pick. Yeah, like, I was like, who's making pie? Like, <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> People come over and like, why do I smell like pie? Oh, that's just, that's how my house is haunted. It's just it just always my, smells like fresh pie. It's my grandma ghost. I don't know. She keeps making pie. <laughs> and sometimes I feel like my cheeks get really, really pinched. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice because they're rosy. I don't know. <laughs> um... People also feel cold spots, of course. Balls of light have also been spotted attacking people. Now, my guess is that this is a larger and brighter orb than your average orbs. So this is mega orbs that tend to attack people. <laughs> mega orbs. <laughs> dust bunnies, if you dust, will. Dust, or- Yeah, dust bunny orbs. Ghosts will sometimes follow you and would occasionally peek through corners or crouch behind furniture or like other things that are in the building and peek out. That one sucks too. Investigators have gotten full body readings of thermal from their thermal detectors. There's a maintenance man who worked at the hospital back when it was open, who apparently died there too. Since then, people would hear keychains rattling like someone is walking with them down the hallway. So this kind of happens all over the building too. 
Man, it's weird how many people, like, not... Like, I know it's a hospital, so people are going to die. Right. But how many people who weren't patients that die in a place, you're but like, you don't, damn. You don't know if this guy maybe died. He, he might have gotten TB at some point. Oh, and then true. Yeah. So I, but I don't know. Or maybe it's something... You're right. Like, sometimes ghosts revisit areas that they spent their life in. Poor guy. I mean, that's a hard job. And yeah. Can you imagine if you die and you're like, oh, my ghost is going to live forever on this plane doing the job I hated my whole life. And carrying all these goddamn keys. Yeah, that sucks. I mean, when I think back to all the jobs I've had, I had more than a few I hated. I can't imagine how awful it would be if I died and I just went back to relive that job for all of eternity. <laughs> Which job would be the worst for you? Dishwasher? Woof. I remember you were a dishwasher at some yeah, point. Yeah. Like a say- wedding venue. Yeah, I was a I was a dishwasher for it was just a summer and yeah. Yeah, that's the worst job I ever had. Like I like that I did it so I can be proud and say I what I did a hard job like that because yeah. I think it proves to new employers that's like, oh this guy he he's done a lot. He's had desk jobs and he's done that like he's done the gamut. He's he he he'll do anything which is cool. But I really will never go back to it if I can help it. So yeah. it's kind of a lie on my resume in the sense that it's like, <laughs> yeah, I did it, but I want it to stay in the past. But I would rather kill you. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I think... The dishwashing ghost for all dishwash- of eternity. I think mine would be when I was a... When I worked with kids for the before and after school program, that would be my nightmare. Like just taking care of children all day long. <laughs> There, there are so many people out there who would love that job. Oh, and there are. There, there are people who are like, that it just wasn't amazing. a fit for you. Well, no, and I was, I was genuinely bad at it too. Like, <laughs> I, I never put that on my resume because when they asked me about it, like, it was really hard for me to lie. And I was like, I don't, I sucked. Like, I remember when I worked there, and I would be some of the people, like, I'd be there already, like, working there for a year, and people that worked there less were promoted because <laughs> I just sucked at it. Like, I did not care. I can say as your husband of coming up on eight years. Mm-hmm. Yes. I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> what? Terrible at babysitting? I don't understand. Hey, my niece thinks I do a good job. Granted, she's a teenager, so I think it's a lot easier it's at that point. It's because we're cool with teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the coolest kid, right? We're all the latest fashions. Yeah. That red shirt looks good on you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, I don't know where I am. Um, it does look good. <laughs> so people also caught things on EVP sessions, which is a very, like, it, it's something that happens so often. It's like if you bring a recorder or something, you know, to take EVP, you will get something. And these are some of the things that capture. So I actually listened to videos of people doing the whole thing and, and, sure. and whatnot. So. What they caught is Let Me Out, Sarah, Loss of Innocence, Are You Scared? Now, there was at one point a man singing, so they left an EVP recorder uh, recording on its own in one of the hallways, and they caught a man singing for a few seconds, but you couldn't really tell what he was saying. That one scared me. A little child saying, "Uh uh-huh, after asking if they wanted them to leave... (laughs) It's like, yeah, bitch, get the fuck away from me. Uh, so another one is, don't go in there. No witness. Yikes. And one investigative group went into the shock therapy room and asked who was in here. And the response was Lily Walker. 
The team was able to find records of a Lillian Ruth Walker who did die at Waverly Hills in 1938. So that one's pretty cool. All right. So. Oh, I've and then heard, there's I've there's heard, one more. Okay. Okay. That one is sweet. <laughs> I didn't know what to do with that one. So it's totally checking out one of their butts. Yeah. That one's sweet. Oh, sweet, sweet ass, bro. So I've. <laughs> yo, yo, bro. Just want you to know, got a sweet ass. Uh. I've heard a lot of EVP recordings, and I think most of them, they're really up for interpretation. If you even acknowledge that it's a voice, and, and, and it's hard because I actually hate how TV shows, they subtitle it, and it's already influencing you. I want to hear it a few times first without them telling me to come yeah. up with my own because sometimes people say, oh, they totally said, like, oh, let's just say get out. Say get out, but then if I hear it without the subtitles, I'm like, yeah, I'm not hearing get out. So I would say the ones that I'm like telling you are the ones that for me was like clear as day. Okay, so they were you believed it. Yeah, the only one that I couldn't understand was a guy singing, but I could clearly hear a guy singing. So I, you know what I'm saying. So the other ones I was like, you should probably play some of these for me later. Ooh, I'll play them for you, but not right before I go to bed (laughs) because <laughs> I'm a sensitive soul. You're sensitive. I agree. We'll do that tomorrow morning in the broad daylight. You got to give me like a stuffed animal, some jammies and some hot chocolate, <laughs> and then you can play the creepy stuff. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll cuddle you up in a blanket. <laughs> so here are some TripAdvisor reports that I was able to get. Oh, TripAdvisor. Oh, TripAdvisor. So this one comes from Karen E. And she left this review in 2019 in July. And I'm just paraphrasing here, of course. She said, this is my second time taking an overnight tour. My first time was with 10 of us, rented out the whole place for a night, which was $1,000. Whoa. Yeah. Woof. Um, It ran from 8 p.m. to 4 a.m. We really didn't get anything until our guide came with us between 3 to 4 a.m. Then his flashlight would come on for a yes answer. So they did the whole flashlight questioning thing. And they did this on the fifth floor. On the second floor, we saw the curtains closing from the top slowly come back down. We left a ball for the ghost kid on the third floor in one room. We drew a chalk around the ball to check if it had moved throughout the night. After getting no results all night, we then did come back one last time to check on it and realize that the ball was outside the circle. So, yeah, that was pretty cool. Five out of five, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Totally believe it's haunted. Yeah. So this one comes from David O. He uh, left this on May 2018. On this spring evening, we did the late paranormal tour. Our guide was in the darkness. I don't get that one. Oh, our guided tour was in the darkness. (laughs) I thought he said the guide was in the dark. Um, Anyway. The highlight was the fourth floor where shadow figures were seen. As a scientist, (laughs) sorry, I don't know why, I was a bit skeptical, but sure enough, when a person walked down a hall lit only by ambient moonlight, he was quickly joined by not one, but three shadowy figures. So I guess he meant like one of the people with him. So, sure. Yeah. So it definitely wasn't his own shadow because it cast three. Anyway, uh, this this was confirmed by multiple people in the group without coercion from the guide. We toured the surgical site where I felt quite uneasy and nauseous here. The morgue and death chute were very eerie. I left feeling I encountered a presence. Five out of five. <laughs> this one is from Open Your Mind. We did a two-hour tour at 9.30 p.m. 
They started late but made up for it. On the fourth floor, my husband and I saw a dark figure run from one door across the hall into another door. My husband doesn't get into all the ghost stuff and he came to make me happy, but he was floored when he saw that. He also saw lights or whatever. She took a picture of. <laughs> she literally spelled whatever. I love that. Whatevs. And and we were not sure what it was. Five out of five. This one comes from Curtis H. He did the 7.30 p.m. tour. And he says, uh, we did the tour with our young teenagers. We had several paranormal experiences from flashlights turning on by itself, pulling on an ear, and goosebumps all over my arms and legs. As we moved up to the second floor... I had the feeling that we were being watched. The event kicked up to a new level after darkness fell and we went to the fourth floor. We had a ton of shadowy activity. I volunteered to get up the hall by myself. I had several experiences of goosebumps and the group said they saw shadows near me. The highlight was a six foot tall shadow man come out of the doorway and stand about two feet in front of me. I would do this tour again and again. Five out of five. <laughs> Jesus. So it seems like all these reviews seem to see the shadow figures. That's the My big thing. My thoughts are maybe it's just a hallway that's really shadowy. But, but like, these are kind of moving and they're human-like. Sure, so I think sure. that's kind of the difference, you know? But I'm also taking this off of a review written to TripAdvisor as opposed to, <laughs> you know, someone who uses the scientific method. Even the scientific guy didn't even, the even scientist. talk about experiments or testing <laughs> or rep- repetition or anything. I have two more. They're pretty short, but here we go. This one's from CTA Wilson. Uh, wasn't sure who was on the tour, people in the flesh or the ghost. One tall drink of water was confident and told his girlfriend he would protect her until... A little girl pulled on his jeans, and he jumped straight up. (laughs) They left the tour. I saw shadows on both tours and felt people around us. Funny thing about the Waverly, I have the sense that spirits are there because they are comfortable and care for the sight. Many of the sights are colored with sorrow, horror, and pain, but that's not what I sensed at the Waverly. Mm. So it's interesting. He has a different perspective, or she, I don't know who, who this is. The fourth floor and the shadow people are creepy. Pay attention to movements and blink often. <laughs> five <laughs> out of five. Now, the last one is Wild Travelers. I've wanted to visit this place for years. It did not disappoint. We did the midnight to 4 a.m. tour. Heard footsteps. So, Four yeah. Four hour tour. So, they did a long, a long one. Heard footsteps when no one was around. Saw shadows. Heard music playing. We will be returning to do this Sunday tour all day long. And so they also gave it five out of five. Um, Yeah, so it just seems like it's a very... And this is just some. I kept running into a million of them, people saying footsteps and and shadows and all these other things. So it's such an active area. It's so easy for these places. And you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just... It's a lot. No, absolutely. There is a movie, by the way, called Death Tunnel. And on IMDb, they rated it 2.7 out of 10. Well, the title alone is probably why it got that higher <laughs> Death rating. Tunnel. Yeah. Maybe maybe we can watch it anyway on one sad night. <laughs> so, would you ever go there? Yes. During the night? Yes. Would you spend the night? Um. Well, not alone, but yes. And I would have to like, see, I don't like going camping as it is like overnight camping. <laughs> so I'm like, now I have to sleep on concrete. Yeah, that's kind of. In a tent, like so, you have TV. 
I'm just gonna bring a TV, or I guess my laptop. I said yeah. like like you have TB. Oh TB. <laughs> I just said a TV. <laughs> I'm like okay. I don't think they have anywhere to plug my. I like how that's what you're worried about instead of being like, well, why would I go to a haunted place and watch TV? I could do that anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I don't want to go. I know. I figured I, I as go much. during the day. But it sounds to the point where at night I think I'm I think I'm good. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, I mean I don't know what the likeliness of us going to Kentucky is, but maybe one day we'll make it out there and then I'll I'll find a group of people who would want to go with me. <laughs> I don't know. I'll go during the day. Yeah, maybe maybe sunset ish. They do day tours as well, like uh, they do historical tours. So maybe that could be your jam. Mm-hmm. You know. I'll still bring a bouncy ball. And then I'll have my recorder for EVP sessions when no one's looking. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so damn, like, it shows how much I remember from the original story, because when you're telling me stuff like about the bouncing ball and the the body slide, I was like, all right, this this really was a terrifying sounding place because I remembered it. it yeah. It, you know, and I have seen videos of it, like, uh, or rather... TV shows cover it, like Ghost Hunters and Ghost Adventures and everything in the past. I haven't seen it in years, though. So, you know, it's been a while since I... Oh, it's been years. Yeah. And it still sticks there, so... Awesome story. Yay! Thank you. It took a long time. It was a lot of information. I took a lot of uh, detours in my research, because TB apparently is a very, very fascinating disease. And also, I needed to stop watching so many YouTube videos <laughs> of people just messing around. And I think it's definitely more interesting than any Disney show could be. So, yeah. I like your version more. Yeah. Less wizards, uh, more orbs, for sure. So, I think that brings our episode to a close. I didn't have a story today. Well, I mean, I had one, but I put it on the back burner because I... yours was a burly one. <laughs> it was so, a burly... mine will come next week. Don't worry. I have a really spicy good one. I'm pretty excited about it, so it's already ready to go. Thank you guys for joining us. If you have any comments, questions, or personal scary stories you want to share with us, please drop us a line at hotwpodcast at gmail.com. We post episodes every weekend, and cheers if you were drinking along with us, and we hope you continue in a safe manner, obviously. And for those of you listening to us because you had too much fun last night, don't worry, because the best cure for a hangover is fear. Bye. See ya.